I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally, and you're tuning in to the Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching the next generation in our world today. Yes, and like always, if you are just tuning in, we kick off a new episode, hopefully to help you start your week stronger every single Monday. So if you want to subscribe, rate, or review, we would love to hear from you, and not only what hear from you, but hear what God's doing in your life, hear what you're learning from some of our guests, our speakers, and maybe what you can take to the workplace, the marketplace, or even the ministry. So we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And speaking of listening, we have an amazing guest that I can't wait to listen to. It's my first time meeting her. And it's always fun to have a female on uh, the podcast because sometimes it, we realize that leaders are in short supply, right? And to find female leaders that are doing amazing things that have the time outside of mom and work and everything else is always a joy and I know that Josiah your path actually crossed with hers um, not too long ago so why don't you just introduce her to the podcast and let the listener in today here we go we're joined by Faith Cho Faith we're pumped and fired up to just chat with you today so thanks for your time but how are you I am doing great. It's an honor to be here. You guys are a powerhouse couple. I could even just, just sitting for the first two minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's it's an honor. So I'm glad to be here. It's really incredible. And uh, when we met, it was at kind of a young leaders conference. And um, I remember meeting you with a whole group of people in the airport. And I think masks were still required in airports at the time, but you gave everyone a hug. Mm -hmm. And we hopped in vans and we went to this <laughs> conference and um, just heard tremendous insight and wisdom from you. So excited to pick your brain on, you know, thoughts of leadership mm -hmm. and the next generation. But for the listener today, Faith Cho has been a gospel preacher since she was 19 years old. Currently, she's a pastor, uh, pastor's wife. They've planted an amazing church in Manhattan. She's a writer and itinerant speaker. Faith is also the founder of the Honor Summit. We'll talk about her nonprofit organization that centers um, Asian American women in the mission of God. So Simply good. incredible. And alongside of her husband, David, she is the co-founder and co-pastor of Mosaic Covenant Church in New Jersey. And her most precious role, however, is being a mom to four kiddos. And isn't Ooh. parent life the best life? It is. I would say it's the most enriching part. And I know some moms are like, oh, you're lying. <laughs> um, but it is hard, but it's like all my stories come from my, my time with my kids, all my revelations, my insights, my uh, special God moments when I watch them, you know, so yeah, it's a, it's a special experience for sure. And there's never a dull moment. We only have two and Josiah, whenever we find ourselves stressed out, we're like, why did we ever get stressed out over one, let alone four, right? No so, exaggeration. God I've said that good. many times. <laughs> It's a good, it's a good thing. It's a great thing, actually. Um, Faith, for the person who is just tuning in, who may not know you or your story, can you just help us understand like your journey of life and just your story of like how you got to where you are today? Yes, I mean that's such a wow, what a layered question. But give us the highlight uh, reel. <laughs> yes, the highlight reel would be um, I was born in Korea, but moved here when I was four maybe five. I don't even remember. It was like four to five. And then, um, 
but I got saved in Mexico. And then I, and then, um, I started ministry at a young age, around 19 years old. For me, it was just when I encountered Jesus, I was, for lack of better words, I was ruined for the world. I just couldn't do anything else. I, I tried, but um, I everything, reading about anything, thinking about anything else was just kind of a bore. And so uh, when people ask, oh, what got you into ministry so young, for me, it was just simply, I didn't want to do anything else. I mean, obviously I went to college, I got a master's that all that was part of it, but yeah, I, um, went into ministry at 19 and I thought initially, oh, like me loving Jesus, wanting to minister in the name of Jesus. Um, that's it. Like, I thought that's all there was to it. Obviously there were layers in my journey being a woman, also being an Asian American woman, also being a young mother and on top of that being a pastor's wife not just being a pastor and a minister myself but being a pastor's wife there were just so many layers to my journey that um brought about the honor summit which is what uh, is nonprofit organization that I'm leading today um that it's you know I was shocked in some ways but also um i had to go through this learning curve of realizing oh maybe it's not as simple as just loving jesus and loving people and just navigating through that um and yes my husband and i we have planted in new jersey um, mosaic covenant church um, and that was just a journey in and of itself and it wasn't and even that it wasn't just oh we want to plant a church and we we, we could do it there was some layers to that experience being um, an Asian American pastoral couple wow. um, in the middle of a pandemic. So, oh wow. um, so yeah, a lot of that, everything that I am, everything that I've done, everything that I have today, I kid you not, it was just grace of God. I And I'm not saying that as like a brag or just throwing Christianese at things. It's just the grace of God. I am fully aware and acknowledge that I had little to do with it. Basically is my point. <laughs> it's so powerful. And I remember hearing you kind of shortly after planting the church, um, which you did, I know you and your husband and family planted a church right mm -hmm. in the middle of the pandemic. And I'd just love if you're willing to share some of those miraculous testimonies of how God did show up during the process, because I know it wasn't easy. Church yeah. planting is not for the faint of heart to begin with. Right. And then you throw in a global pandemic and it's just like, oh my gosh, can we do this? God, did you, it, like, there's just always, when you- Are you sure, Lord? Yeah, did we hear you? Yeah, right? Are exactly. we crazy? <laughs> so we wanna hear from you about like, how did God yeah. show up and what was the journey like? Yeah. I mean, we were truly, um, a hundred percent having to depend on Jesus for this whole process. It was by far the most formative season of my life. Um, I think oftentimes when you have a dream for something, you want to lean on resources, strategy, your own ability, your own connections. And God had a way of teaching us that literally none of that mattered. Um, that if you wanted to birth a miracle, you just need faith in the presence of God. Yes. Um, and that was tough, right? <laughs> because being powerless 
and vulnerable is truly such an uncomfortable situation when you're trying to do something that requires so much power and strength to birth a church is truly a God thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I am now fully convinced that every church that stands is a miracle from God, even if it's um, a bad church, it's just a miracle that it stands, that it's running. Um, It's just by God's grace because yeah, I mean, there was a time when we did have a lot of the pieces in line. We had a building, we had a team, we had, we had income and it looked like, Oh, this is it. This is going to be it. Right. Um, pandemic hit with literally within like two, three weeks, we lose everything, everything. Uh, we lose the people, we lose the building, we lose the income, we lose our connections, everything. Um, and not only that, we had to move out of our home, which was, um, our former church's parsonage. Um, they gave us the, the lovely grace of moving out in the summer and not in the, you know, when we left that church. Um, and so, yeah, we were literally like, we were, I mean, forget planning a church. We were near homeless, right? And <laughs> you know? By the way, this is in a crowded space, like mm-hmm. that it's not just easy to like, oh, okay, we're going to live there or there. Like, oh, yeah. Real estate's crazy. Yeah. Oh, it, not only that, it was during the pandemic, which was the great exodus of the city. Everyone was trying to leave New York. So I kid you not, when we started looking for homes, there were already lines of cars filled with New Yorkers already willing to pay above the rent ask. Um, And so the competition was crazy. And so literally everything was just impossible. Mm -hmm. Putting four kids on Zoom was impossible, right? Like planning a church was impossible. And I literally had moments with God where I said, God, I don't even think I'm popular enough for this. (laughs) You know, like let alone money. I don't have enough friends. I don't have any more numbers in my phone, in my phone. Like it's just, I, I don't have it. All we had was just Jesus. And I know that sounds so naive to some, but there were moments when we were asking God, Lord, what, what are we supposed to do? Who are we supposed to call? Should we try to get a second job? Should we try, you know, like we would ask God every turn, Lord, what do we do? What do we do? And for a couple months, the only thing that he led us to do was just spend time with him, Mm -hmm. adore him, love him. So as a family, and this is during the lockdown, we would just do communion uh, with the four kids and the dog. Like we would just do communion. And um, there are moments when I thought, man, this is a big waste of time. We're about to be homeless. We're, you know, like we're fools. Like nobody believes in this church, but us. Right. right. Um, but we just spent time communing with God. And I remember in that season, the kids would just be celebrating because children do not know how to be faithless. For That's them, right. faith wow. is just so easy. Wow. Um, and they were just celebrating. They were celebrating. This house is going to be great. This church is going to be beautiful. Like they were just celebrating. And I really believe they were worshiping Jesus on my behalf, on my husband's behalf, because we were just so um, just in a place of grief during that time um, because we just didn't know. Like, we have to sometimes unlearn how to do things in order to genuinely walk in yeah. faith. And that's yeah. what God was doing. 
Uh, we had so many of the resources. I mean, we, we, I've been in ministry at that point, 15 years, now 17 years, right? I mean, I'm, I wasn't like um, a veteran, I wouldn't say, but I wasn't a novice either. So, I mean, I've watched ministries grow. I kind of know how to do certain things. None of that mattered in that moment. All God wanted was for me to just turn on my faith. Yeah, and yeah. so we would just spend those weeks, months, just worshiping God, celebrating God. And you know what? Sometimes God takes a while to work all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Like, and here we are. We, we're not homeless. We were never homeless, right? God led us to the home that was in the town that he called us to plant. We launched in February and now we're here. <laughs> yeah. It's always fun to be on the other side of the storm or the other side of the mountain or on the mountaintop, I should say, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think when people hear those stories, they're like, oh, I want that. I want to live for Jesus just like that. When you but it. <laughs> in the beginning part of it, it, you know, it's beautiful on the flip side, right? In yes, retrospect. Yes. And you know what? In retrospect, now I have people from all over being like, wow, I support you and I celebrate what God has done. But you know what? Like sometimes what faith requires is for you to believe in what God is saying when nobody else right. wants to believe you and when nobody um, cares about what you're up to. And some people don't even know what's even needed in terms right. of ministry, right? It, it, it may be just you that mm -hmm. sees something and thinks like, this is what's needed. And this is what God has called me to do, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was rough, but beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. And I, I'm just taking to the verse, like, don't worry about for tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. It's easy to read that and see the faithfulness of God throughout scripture on multiple occasions. But when in, you're in the thick of it and you're trying to uncover and discover and unlearn to relearn, um, how we're truly supposed to be wired when it comes to faith, when it comes to believing in God, when it comes to going back to our first love. And like, you kind of already said, like, the kids were having a blast and mm -hmm. and kids will only <clears throat> excuse me will only absorb what the parents are willing to portray right if you were the one running around frantic like henny penny we don't have any money we're gonna lose the home this ministry is like this is a stupid idea like whatever words come out of your mouth your children absorb and, mm -hmm. and for you to like okay we're gonna do communion we're gonna sit in the presence of god and for them just to experience that i bet when you talk to them 5 10 15 20 years from now they're going to recall the season sure. that you just described as probably one of their favorite seasons ever in life mm -hmm. and it's just those pivotal moments right and i know many of our listeners they're at a pivotal moment whether they're going back into the um, workforce coming out of COVID or they're trying to regain um, momentum from something that they've already started the last couple of years. And I would just be so curious. So we have a lot of women also that listen to this podcast who are doing ministry, vocational ministry, marketplace ministry, whatever that is and looks like. And Faith, I would just be curious, what have you found as a woman um, in leadership, as a pastor, how do you overcome the obstacles of an over, not oversaturated, but saturated with men when you are a woman trying to find your voice and try to actively respond and be obedient and, and carry the mantle that God has given you in the thick of it. Like, what do you have to say for somebody who's like, I'm called to ministry. Where are all the female leaders? Where's a female mentor that I can trust that's not going to like compete, compare, or kind of try to control aspects and elements of me or say silly things like, well, I prayed you into that role, you know? So how have you 
I don't know, not overcome, but how, what have you seen and how would you encourage the listener in that regard today as a female called into ministry? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the confident woman in ministry is a presence-centered woman. Um, not a community-centered woman, not a calling-centered woman, not a platform-centered woman, but a presence-centered woman. So as in to say, when you live to just know Jesus, right. um, none of that really matters. For lack of better words, it's just true. It's just like, and this is what I tell my girls all the time, where they're like, oh, she doesn't like me. or that, I'm like, it really does not matter. Mm-hmm. Like, as in what she thinks of you, you know, unless it's like proper accountability, right? Um, it does not affect your God-given call. Our call will go from the pits to the palace, regardless of the Potiphar's, the Potiphar's wives, the, the pharaohs. It will not matter what the brothers think. It will not matter what injustice comes your way. It is God's to bring into light. It is God's to carry. And oftentimes, you know, Joseph's life, and this is all in reference to Joseph's life, um, like it looked like it was going backwards, right? And And I think if Joseph, to be honest, was a 21st century millennial, he'll be stuck in Potiphar's home fighting the injustice of everything that's going on and just being like, wow, I am so offended. And this is so not right. And I got to look out for me and I got to draw a line because you're a red flag. Like, I just, I feel like it could get so complicated, but what did Joseph do in every scene of his life? He stewarded what was before him. He was loyal to the God that brought him there. Um, and it was actually a preparation for the next season. Every step to- like after the pit was a step closer to the palace. When he was in Potiphar's home, he wasn't just a slave. He was learning Egyptian culture. Right. He was understanding Egyptian soil. Like he was understanding how to run a home. Like he was understanding the language. He was being prepared to be at the right hand of Pharaoh later. It wasn't like a pause. It wasn't due to, oh, like somebody just overlooking you or just trying to um, stump out your voice. Um, Every season can be useful to God. And so to the woman that feels discouraged because, man, it's an all-male space. I feel very oppressed. I feel very misunderstood, overlooked. Um, Like, and none of that is okay, by the way. And and there's none of me saying like, oh, that's, it's fine. Just get over it. Like, it's not that at all. But it is to say that none of that compares to God's sovereign hand in your Mm -hmm. life. And you just have to um, praise the Lord where you're at. I know that sounds so silly, right? But as in to honor God in the season that you're in, steward what's before you um, and lean on him for the next breakthrough. You know, when Joseph was a slave, he was the best slave there ever was, right? When he was a prisoner, he was the best prisoner there ever was. And he just took hold of those moments to the point where with the, when the, the baker and the cupbearer was like, I had a dream. He was like, yep, this is, this is my God moment. He was so in line with God in all the seasons of his life 
that he was able to capture those Kairos moments, those God moments to, mm-hmm. to be able to walk into that breakthrough. You know, um, the Lord does have a space for the woman that wants to go into ministry. The Lord does have a call for her and all those other things. They, they tend to be somewhat uh, distractions from what the presence of God has. I love it. Faith, thank you so much for going there. Because I think sometimes when people are discouraged, they'd rather stay in the wilderness than seek the oasis, right? They would rather sit in the wilderness and like mourn, lick their own wounds versus say, you know what? No, God has called me. He is sovereign and I'm going to steward and cultivate what he's given me, whether it's 10 girls in a Bible study in my dorm room or in my house, or it's 10,000. Like God is going to, he's going to do something of this and he's preparing me, but my character um, it needs to be developed. It cannot outweigh my charisma or this desire that I have, right? So I just want to say thank you for going there. And I think Joseph is like, Joseph and Moses are like my two Bible crushes, I call them. <laughs> because I, I think love it. so much we can learn from them. And it's just encouraging yeah. to hear and to know that God has a place for everybody. If yeah. we're willing and when we're willing, he's just working on our hearts and making sure that our, our hearts are tender and any soil that he has to, you know, turn up in our, um, in the weeding process, weeding out of ourselves instead of demanding a platform or demanding a microphone, he wants us to have something to say from his heart, not from our own circumstances. So, so that's so good. Thanks for going there. Definitely. And you might've been speaking to the young female who is navigating their own journey, but I think I just learned as much listening as anyone Mm. because I'm not a female. And so my awareness of what it would be like to to be journeying and and navigating a call into ministry Mm -hmm. into that space, I think it's important for me to listen, Mm. for me to take note and for me to observe and and ask questions, listen, care and and similarly to that i i look at the obvious right mm-hmm. i am a male and i'm also white and so i think that also there's a degree of awareness culturally that i need to navigate what is it the experience of a female in leadership or for people who are non-white what mm-hmm. is it what is it like to navigate that and faith so much of the work that you're doing with the honor summit is um, if you can touch on the Honor Summit as well, but I'd love to hear the process also about, you know, in America, what your journey in in leadership as an Asian American woman has been like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as said before, there were layers and it wasn't as simple as, hey, I have a conviction and I could just share it and I people will hear me. Um, there were layers um, whenever I speak, well, whenever I disciple um, or mentor young Asian American women that want to do ministry, I always say, unfortunately, you will have to be um, smarter, better um, on time, <laughs> more on top of it just to be taken almost, almost as seriously at times. Um, now is that like, is that to say, Oh, we're better than everyone? Not at all. But as in to say, like, there are oftentimes, um, a lot that keeps us from being able to, uh, 
be taken as seriously or have the same authority. And by authority, I don't mean spiritual authority that God gives us, but just authority amongst people. Um, it just takes a bit, like, as in to say, like, you know, um, sometimes I would speak with some of my non, um, non-colored friends, (laughs) white friends, basically. Um, sometimes I would speak with some of my white friends and be like, you know, if you didn't know me, um, like, do you, like, when you look at me, do you assume the same level of God's greatness as you would from a white male preacher. Like, you know, when you see like a conference roster, right? And like, when you look at the speakers and you know, like when you look at your favorite speaker, you're like, yes, I'm so excited. And I'm gonna just glean from this person. And you may look at other speakers and you're like, oh yeah, you know, I've never heard of that person, but maybe I'll go grab a coffee during that time. Or, you know what I mean? Like um, that happens pretty frequently. And I would always share with some of my white friends, like, hey, like if I'm fully aware that when I'm on a roster that the expectation level can sometimes diminish. Hmm. And um, and sometimes people have to kind of uh, to take a, have to take an extra step to expect the same from me that the Holy Spirit in me is the same Holy Spirit that right. speaks through some of these headliner uh, white male pastors, you know. Um, oftentimes, I look like somebody's intern from, from someone's perspective. Do, and I sometimes, I mean, like in 2020, when it, it was like the heat of the anti-Asian hate um, and like, I mean, people were getting killed. It wasn't even just like, oh, you're getting hurt. People were getting killed. Women like me, multiple women mm-hmm. in their late 20s, early 30s were being stalked into their apartment and stabbed and killed. And, you know, and so uh, uh, and in that I was in like the heat of it. I remember doing a couple podcasts during that season and I was just like, you know, when you look at me, when you talk to me, do you expect like, you know, it, like, do you see me as an intern, as somebody's executive assistant um, or an accountant, you know, or do you see me as an anointed woman of God, an anointed person that could speak into crowds with authority, you know, and oftentimes that like somebody would have to kind of do loops and jumps in their mind to kind of get there because right. of a lot of the impressions and the prejudice that's out there. Um, I've come to a place in life where, you know, I mean, I say all this passionately and that's just because like, you know what, I'm an Enneagram eight and that I don't know how else to talk. Right. But like, yeah, I just don't know. Like I, I, I want to like tone it down, but I just don't know how, but, um, but um, I've come to a place where like none of that really um, offends me at the moment. Yeah. You know, and and I'm not saying that to say, oh, look how much I've grown, but it's just simply because I don't exist to speak to crowds. Like I don't exist. I'm not here on this earth to prove anything to anyone. So I'm kind of at a place, and maybe motherhood did this to me, you know, but I'm at a place where, hey, if you overlook me, that's okay. Cause that's just between you and God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not up to me to decide where my words land. It's just up to me to follow Jesus, to obey his leading 
And he will decide where my words will go. He will right. decide what to do with my name. He will decide what to do with my platform. None of it is mine. And in all seriousness, you know, and a lot of the times when um, women of color approach me with the the grief of, hey, like I, I have been stomped down. I have been overlooked. I have been undercut and things like that. I mean, one, definitely we need to grieve with them. And definitely we need to sit with them in that place of loss, in that place of pain. However, afterwards, I would say, well, thank goodness that you do not exist to prove anything to anyone. You exist to know Jesus. Wow, that's good. You exist to love Jesus. You and then, and it's up to him. If he decides that I will be hidden for the rest of my life, let it be. You know, if, if he decides that I will be preaching to no one for the rest of my, let it be. You know, that's not up to me. I, I steward what he's placed before me which is to love him with all my heart, to love those around me and to speak when he tells me to speak, to go when he tells me to go. Everything else is is up to Jesus. I think that's so good. Thank you for going there. Mm -hmm. And to come back full circle to something that you shared about Joseph, I was just thinking about how there was also like he, if, if I was him, and I know that it's projecting me into the story, but I just observe of like, he was forgotten about yeah mm -hmm. and he was overlooked like there was even somebody he told like hey remember me yes right and he was still forgotten That's and right. so i think that we're not alone in yeah. the obscurity of yeah. if we do feel overlooked or neglected or forgotten not to mention mistreated mm -hmm. and and to get into Absolutely. all of those but Absolutely. you know the forgotten or unseen or obscure uh, jesus was no stranger to that either right there was 30 years of his life yeah hidden away mm -hmm. at least as we see it now we only read about a few years of his life mm -hmm. and um so thank you for sharing your experience um it, i'm really grateful for it i think it helps me be more aware mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. in life right. in leadership in ministry thinking yeah. about other people and, and their journey and the call of God that's on their life. And our passion to faith is the next generation, yeah. young adults, millennials and Generation Z. And you know this, we've talked about mm -hmm. this, but I'd love to hear from your perspective, what you're seeing mm -hmm. among that ne next generation of maybe younger millennials, um, some of the Generation Z when it comes to hunger, living a life of purpose or even their faith in general. Mm -hmm. I feel as though, I mean, Gen Gen Zs and the younger millennials, there is this ability to think outside the box that I feel like us millennials, uh, I think I think I'm considered a geriatric millennial. Like I, you know, I think it's so weird, but it's like I'm at the upper tier of the millennial generation, but um, I mean, for us, it was just very clear cut, go to college, find a job, yeah. you know, right. um, get like, find your retirement, retire. Like, you know, it was just very clear cut, but I feel as though um, Gen Z's and younger millennials, they don't really see it that way. They, they, they don't have like a set lane, like, Hey, this is the lane for them. It's just a smorgasbord 
And for them, like, hey, like I could try to do this. Maybe I'll do a trip here, and maybe I'll search, you know, do some soul searching. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get income in this way and not with a typical job. Maybe I'll work from home. So I feel like there's just this openness to creativity and thinking wow. outside the box. To me, I think that's really cool because I feel as though the church needs that. Interesting. The church yeah. really needs. I think we really need that creativity, that um, thinking outside the box. Um, I think it will be uh, a just definitely a refreshing component um, to the next generation of church. Um, you know, I I think especially like the older generations that are in the church, there's this fight to keep the traditional way of church. And I believe there are some timeless elements mm -hmm. to church tradition that I feel as though we need to retain for sure. But um, I don't know. I feel that the younger generation is more open to keeping the essentials of the gospel and the essentials of the church, um, but also throwing out old wineskins. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like the, the ideas, the problem solving abilities um, are are wild amongst the younger generation that I'm really excited to see. Um, and I feel that their perspectives um, are are needed. Um, oftentimes how generations go, as you guys obviously, obviously know, generations usually go like with a pendulum swing. Yeah. Right. Yep. My hope is that the next generation will not be a reaction to the previous, uh, but will be a collaboration. Wow. You know, so these moments like this where we're, you know, as somebody that's a quote unquote geriatric millennial, right, <laughs> that kids, you know, potentially be speaking to somebody that's Gen Z, you know, I feel as though some of the most beautiful kingdom moments could happen with that collaboration of ideas that um, that the ability to sit at the same table mm -hmm. and to work together, to speak together and to think together. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. I would I would love to see or hear from you one step deeper when it comes to the next generation and young adult ministry. Like, why do you believe that young adult ministry is so vital and important in this day and age? Oh, yeah, it's, it's the passing of the baton. You know, and I think I'm reminded, right, in the Bible, I believe it was Hezekiah, right, who was just, um, he prayed, God answered his prayer. He didn't have a premature death. It was just one of those things. And then, um, and there was like a blunder where he basically opened the door to the enemy to plunder his kingdom <laughs> um, and really just made ruins for the next generation. Um, and that's a terrible paraphrase, but that's just basically the gist, the highlight reel, if you will, of his story. Um, I feel like sometimes we're like Hezekiah. We just kind of think about our own blessings um, and our own matters without realizing one day we're going to die. And, and the next generation church is going to be in these young adults hands. Um, and we need to properly pass on the baton. Um, I feel like Christianity could be, can be such a self-centered endeavor. Um, unfortunately it's, it's, it's supposed to be all about loving Jesus and loving others, but it could be so much about me just growing into the person that I want to be. And I think a lot of times when that is the focus of church ministries, um, us just, it's just me about finding my rest, me about finding my peace. 
um, my purpose, my calling, uh, we just completely forget that uh, we could just get our self-enhanced self into the grave without setting the church up for the future, right? So that's a very, um, like, just kind of a rough way of just basically saying, like, we got to pass on the baton. So, yeah. That's Absolutely. So I, I'm reminded of that. I've never thought of Hezekiah, though. I'm familiar with the story, of course, but I never thought about the impact that that has on a generation. Well, I think the word is like ramifications. Like each one of us, like we have something to offer God when he's asked us like to go back to the stewardship, even thinking of God has, has asked us to steward things, to take care of things, whether it's our bodies, a temple or our families and, and beyond, obviously, to do like beyond, you know, community with our own comfortable levels you know but to realize like wow how do i live and leave a legacy that is beautiful and it is life-giving and it's not um the the sloppy things that i didn't want to deal with as an individual or as a family or as a ministry or or a church whatever it is i mean it gets larger and larger but the word that comes to my mind is ramifications yeah yeah <laughs> well, somebody else is going to pay for i don't want to say our sins it's not probably the right term but for our mishaps maybe and they can yeah. try to clean up the mess to relaunch or to <laughs> absolutely the stakes are high when it they comes are. to the next generation and uh faith i keep an iphone note in my phone and you might know this but uh, mm. micah does for sure and in march of 2022 i wrote this quote from you actually and it says <laughs> that the currency of the soul is good memories mm. And it's so powerful and yeah. you know that's that's the beauty of collaboration to your point about working together and thinking together and sharing mm -hmm. ideas at a table sharing a meal together at a table this creates memories whether it's your family or a community yeah. um, and in leadership mm -hmm. in life and uh you know even from being at a conference together we have memories great yeah. memories and we want to invite you and the listener Ooh. to make some new memories which are the currency of the soul we hope that they're good memories and uh what we do to close the show is put five minutes on the clock yep. and we ask you five questions if you're up for it that mm -hmm. are a little bit rapid fire and you've got <laughs> about a minute to answer each one you up yeah. for the challenge absolutely let's okay. go I'll yeah, kick it off. You should kick it off. Like, what is something that you're into on your days off right now for fun? Oh, my goodness. That's hard because I have no days off sometimes. But I love walking through Soho. Um, I'm a I'm a girl that lives in the garden, which is New Jersey, but I dream in the city. So whenever I have a day off, I love just wandering. I love um, having no agenda and just walking through Soho. And especially when it's golden hour. Mm. <sighs> just it's another it's another experience so that's what i love yo great answer okay question number two do you have a favorite sports team absolutely not i <laughs> and I, I wish i did um i guess the only thing i could possibly say is maybe the giants I mean, that's just because i've been to giants games and my husband is a giants fan um uh but no i'm like the least sports oriented person ever that's okay it's so that's so okay good. here's the one that keeps us on it's a sports our analogy so yep. get ready for it okay it's the curveball right it's it's like in baseball yeah <laughs> this one keeps micah and i on our toes we ask every guest and yeah. just flip the script you can ask us any question what would you want to find out 
Yes. If you guys were to able to accomplish one thing together in your life and you'd be happy with it, what would it be? Oh, wow. What do you, do you want to answer separately or are we going to collaborate our brains together? Ooh. You start and I'll, I'll see if there's anything to add. Oh my gosh, one thing. Okay, we believe in living and leaving a legacy. Um, I, so I think that's kind of like our house anthem, at least the season mm. that we're in. So I would say, it's a big blanket. Anybody, all, anybody that we've ever come in contact with that they would know who we worship and what we stand for mm. and that the encounter they have with us is an encounter hopefully a representation of Christ and that they would yeah. become followers of Christ. And that's from our children to extended family to any stage we've ever stepped foot on that people would encounter the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, and the word would just resonate within them. Um, even if they don't remember our names, but they would remember something about that God utilized us as a mouthpiece um, through the ministry that we're leading. But I think the ministry starts individually as a couple with our family and hopefully beyond that's where my mind goes to sound selfish like a it's like a million wishes <laughs> yeah I, I think that's it i think if i was gonna say it in my own words yeah. i'd just say like if i pictured the end of our life rejoicing over one thing or people saying thank you for one thing i think it'd be really powerful the problem that we want to solve mm -hmm. is the exodus of young adults leaving the faith of jesus christ Mm, so I see if, hell empty. Yeah, so if we can see a missing link in the family, or if we can see an absent generation reached with the gospel mm. um, beautifully, and for them to actually see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that's our anthem. That's like what we're all about. Yeah. Yeah. Good Amazing. I love it. All right. Well, back to you, Faith. Question number four. Um, let's say you have the opportunity to travel one place that you've never been. Where would you go and what snack would you pack? What do you, you have a go-to snack? Oh, my goodness. Um, I would go to Italy. Uh, I've always wanted to visit Italy and for no deep reason, just I just want pasta and I love pasta um, and I think it's beautiful and I I feel like everyone's visiting Italy right now. So I feel as though like I'm a little bit of FOMO. Would I pack anything? I don't really pack snacks. So there's that. You have I know, pasta yeah. you. I was pasta. just going to say, yeah. it's basically I'm like a buffet. <laughs> I know. I, I'm the worst at this game. No, but I don't really pack snacks. I'm notorious to be a terrible traveler. Like my husband knows this because I do travel often. I would be missing toothbrushes. I would, and like, let alone pack a snack. I don't even th know. Next time, capable, let your children so. pack your bag and see what you end up with. Oh, <laughs> oh mercy. <laughs> hey, gummy bears, toothbrush. You never know what could be there or missing. I don't know. Hilarious. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my gosh. You know, such a fun conversation, Faith. And I picture, you know, the young le leader, the young listener who's learning and growing, mm -hmm. if you have one piece of advice that you could leave them with today or one piece of encouragement for them to pack with them along mm -hmm. the journey, what would you what would you want them to know? It is possible to have joy while you endure it. I think sometimes, um, I mean, they already probably know, oh yeah, you shouldn't give up, 
Ah, uh, yeah. Like, oh, I get it. Like, you should have faith. I, I get it. I should have, you know, I should endure. I should, um, I, sh I shouldn't check out. Um, there's a lot of that, but I think sometimes, um, it's just easy to be miserable along the way, <laughs> you know? Um, I'm a huge believer that joy is not circumstantial, but that it's in the presence of God. And so as in to say, while you figure out your identity stuff, your calling stuff, your financial stuff, your inner healing stuff, because I mean, those early years are just all formation, so much formation. And it's it could be rough. It could be heavy, but it is possible to have joy as you do it. Um, and that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just got to get out of the way so that he could produce it within us. So, yeah. Amazing. Oh my gosh. Love it. What a note to end on. And I agree. And we use this intro song that our friend who does hip hop music, he wrote a song called Fully Alive. Mm. So if you've never heard that song before, like what Faith is saying that we want you to feel alive. Right. And part of feeling fully alive is joy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. if you're in a season where maybe you're not experiencing joy, that is an incredible prayer to ask God to show you what would joy look like today. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and, and to just say like, God, yeah, I might be struggling, but can we have some fun today? Right. Yeah. Because following Jesus really shouldn't be boring. We should yeah. be joy-filled people. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Faith, one more time, we just want to honor you and just say thanks for yes. who you are, for the presence-filled, fired-up person that you are. And we just value you so much, We're grateful for your voice and the way that you're leading, mm -hmm. the work you're doing. We're really grateful. Thank you. I loved being here. Thank you, guys. Excellent. Thank you so much. If you want to find out more about Faith and what God is doing in her and her husband's church at Mosaic Covenant Church and the Honor Summit, you can do that when you connect with us at www.youngadults.today as well across all of our other social media platforms at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Micah and Josiah signing off. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.